Hello, welcome to Christ Church at Grove Farm Sermon Podcast. In addition to our Sunday services, we are kicking off our Wednesday in Wilson study of Elijah and how it points us to the life of Christ. If you would like more information about Christ Church at Grove Farm or would like to connect with our pastors, staff, or ministry leaders, I would encourage you to visit our website, ccgf.org. Enjoy the message from this week. Grace and peace to you. We've been looking at the Old Testament character of Elijah who paints for us a portrait of Christ. And our scripture tonight is from 1 Kings, uh, chapter 19. Uh, I don't have the right verse there for some reason. Uh, Let me look here. Okay. You're going to reset my my clock when I finish now, right? (laughs) Here we go, 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. Listen as I read to you from God's word. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel... And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He asked. When he struck the water, it divided the right and to the left. And he crossed over. Here ends the reading of God's word. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You'll notice it is my custom always to begin a time together by praying Uh, verse 14 of Psalm 19, and uh, a number of years ago when I was at the college, uh, some of the students got together and they wrote uh, an article in the college newspaper, The Collegian, uh, kind of poking fun at some of us, and uh, in the article uh, they said, we don't know how old Dr. Kielwetter is, but we think he's pretty old, (laughs) and uh, then they went on to say, Uh, It's very, very possible that King David heard him pray that prayer (laughs) and liked it so well that he included it in Psalm 19. So I'm old, but not that old. You know, uh, one of the things that we learn as we study the history of Christianity is that there were often ministry teams, uh, teams of two people. And of course, uh, we go right back to the New Testament where Uh, We have uh, Peter and Paul. Uh, Peter uh, holding the keys to the kingdom and uh, Paul holding the sword, uh, representative of the sword of the spirit, the word of God. And then later on in the Reformation period, uh, on the left, uh, we have Martin Luther and on the right, John Calvin. In American history, the great awakening of uh, the 18th century was led by Uh, Two outstanding preachers, George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards. And then, uh, of course, uh, 
Those of us who lived through the 20th century uh, are very, very familiar with uh, Billy Graham and Cliff Barrows. And so it's uh, no surprise that as we go back into the Old Testament, we find a team, a ministry team, and in this case, it is Elijah and Elisha. And so today we come to the final chapter in our discussion as we endeavor to paint a portrait of Christ uh, through the person of Elijah as we uh, come to the story of the ascension which we've just read and the giving of the Holy Spirit. Now we left uh, Elijah last week uh, having uh, gone to Mount Sinai, gone from the valley of depression wishing to die up into the very presence of God on Mount Sinai and there he heard the whisper of God. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And uh, he was given instructions as he reevaluated his commitment. And we read on in that chapter, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Saphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him, symbolic of the commissioning of of Elisha to be his successor. Well, Elijah lived for ten more years after that, or thereabouts. Uh, Biblical chronology is always suspect. We don't know for sure, but... uh, Most Bible scholars believe that Elijah lived 10 years after that. And after this commissioning of Elisha, uh, we have the story about his uh, condemnation of Ahab in a Nabus vineyard. We know that he confronted the evil son of uh, Ahab and Jezebel, King Ahaziah. Uh, And uh, Ahaziah was out to get him, sent two companies of men, and uh, those men were consumed by fire. And 10 years passed uh, before we get to the story that uh, we are going to talk about tonight. And uh, so we just want to quickly review the parallels between Jesus uh, and Elijah. Elijah Elijah foreshadowed the life of Jesus with the miracle of food, the raising of a dead boy, showdown on a mountaintop, the anointing of followers, and now we get to... Uh, the fact that Elijah ascended into the spiritual realm, as did Jesus, ascended into the spiritual realm 40 days after his resurrection. So uh, our story tonight is not so much about Elijah, though we will talk about that ascension, but I really want us to think about Elisha, because we are... Elisha. And this story is about how determined Elisha was to follow his mentor, Elijah. And my hope is that we will be just as determined to follow our mentor, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. As we've indicated uh, from the very beginning, in the Old Testament, uh, some of these characters are types of uh, persons to come or things to come. And uh, so we've talked about the fact that Elijah is a type of the life of Jesus. Well, Elisha is a type of the life of a disciple or of a saint. 
And it's Elijah, spelled with a J. We think of Jesus. His name means the Lord is God. Elisha, name spelled with an S. We think of saint. And his name in the Hebrew means my God saves. And shouldn't that be our testimony as the people of God, as we go out into the world? My God saves, does he not? And so uh, as we look at the life of Elisha, we want to be inspired by his determination uh, to follow his mentor, Elijah. So we read on. I've gone one too far. We read on uh, in uh, 2 Kings chapter 2. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Well, in the, in the Old Testament, Gilgal was an important place. It was a little town right outside of Jericho. And it is the place where the children of Israel camped after marching around the walls of Jericho and uh, destroying the city through the power of God. And then they did something at Gilgal. You see, for the 40 years that they had wandered in the wilderness, in the desert, not one of the men had been circumcised. And so they paused at that moment, and every male in the uh, Jewish community, in the community of Israel, was circumcised. They renewed their covenant with God. For many of them, it was the first time that they'd done, ever done anything that said, I am God's person, because that was the outward sign of God's person. And so Gilgal symbolizes uh, conversion. It symbolizes renewal. It symbolizes commitment to the things of God. And uh, Elijah said to Elisha, you stay here. And uh, Elisha said, no, I'm going to go where you go. Now, how would we apply that to, to all of us? Well, Probably none of you here are like this, but we all know that within the life of the church, there are many, many people who've experienced conversion, they've made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe as a child, maybe as a teenager, maybe at camp, maybe at a rally, uh, or some kind of event like that, but they've never taken another step. They've accepted Jesus, but that's it. They've never done anything else. Maybe they go to church on Easter. There was a, a gentleman who went to church every Easter, and that's the only time he ever went to church. And after the sermon, one Easter Sunday, he said to the pastor, he said, I really like your preaching, but every time I come, you preach on the same topic. <laughs> we laugh about that, but there are people like that, are there not? And we want to pray for them. We want to encourage them to at least move on to Bethel. You see, Elisha was not going to stay at Gilgal. He was going to move on to Bethel. Then Elijah, Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The word Bethel in the Hebrew means the house of God. We know that's the place where J Jacob stopped for the night as he was uh, running away from uh, his brother, and uh, he had the dream of the ladder 
with angels ascending and descending on it. And he recognized that it was a holy place. And it became a holy place. Eventually, uh, though it was sinful, that's where Jeroboam erected a golden calf so that people didn't have to go to Jerusalem to worship. It was a place of worship. And uh, when they got there, uh, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, I'm going to Jericho. Well, you know, for a lot of people, the house of God, the place of worship, the church of Jesus Christ is a great place to be. And they're consumed by it and spend lots of time with it, but they never step out with their faith. They're in church, Christians only. And they come and worship and have a wonderful time and, and uh, share uh, in song and scripture and prayer. But when Monday comes, uh, their faith is still in the house of God. It's not with them in the world. You see, Elisha was determined not to stay in Bethel. Elisha was going to follow Elijah to the next place. So we read on. Then Elijah said to him, stay here. Talking about Jericho now. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Now throughout the the scriptures, Jericho is always a symbol of uh, comfort and prosperity. We know that after it was destroyed by uh, the walls falling down, that later it was rebuilt and it became a a cultural and governmental and historic center uh, in the Dead Sea Valley, a very, very important city. The climate there is just wonderful. The fruit trees grow. It's a delightful place to be. And it symbolizes the world for all of us. Because oftentimes, though we step out of the church and we take our faith with us, we find ourselves in the world and we become consumed with comfort and prosperity. And instead of going any further, we're kind of content to stay right in Jericho. But Elisha was not. He was determined to keep his eyes on Jesus, even if it meant going to the Jordan. The Jordan River has lots of symbolic meanings throughout Scripture. For some, it's the river of life. We know it's the river in which Jesus was baptized. But we also know that for those who cross over that river, they're crossing into something new, something different. Something uh, unexpected, something perhaps uh, frightful. And uh, here, Elisha follows Elijah across the Jordan River. He takes his cloak, he took his cloak, the waters parted from side to side. Elijah went across and Elisha followed, knowing that Elijah was going to what? He didn't know for sure, but God was going to take him. And I'm sure he assumed that that would be via death. You see, Elisha was willing to follow his mentor even into the unknown, even unto death, to grief, if that's what it meant. He was going to keep his eyes on Elijah. And so he did. 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, What can I do for you before I am taken from you? 
Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. Now, what we have to understand here is that when Elisha asked for a double portion of the spirit, he was asking for cultural succession. You see, it was the custom in the Jewish tradition for the oldest son to receive a double portion of the inheritance. And that would designate that individual as the successor to the parent, to the father, when the father passed. That's what Elisha was asking. He was asking to be designated as successor. He already was, but he he wanted some confirmation of that. And uh, what did Elijah say? Keep watching. Keep your eye on me. If you're watching, that will come to you. And we're going to see that uh, he indeed did receive a double portion. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Now, um, one of the things that artists throughout history have mistakenly done as they have uh, portrayed Elijah in the chariot. But if we read the text carefully, Elijah wasn't in the chariot, right? The horses and the chariot appeared, and as this manifestation from the spiritual realm integrated with the physical realm, it created a cataclysmic uh, event, a whirlwind that swept Elijah away. And Elisha was not the only one to see it. You see, the company of the prophets from Jericho, who were watching, said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. See, in those 10 years after Elijah returned from Mount Sinai, he began to gather followers. And uh, actually, they were like little churches, really, in many of those cities, many of those places that we've mentioned. And uh, the followers from Jericho had followed Elisha and Elijah to the Jordan, and they were watching this from a distance. And they witnessed this cataclysmic experience. And I want you to know it made a profound impact upon them. And uh, 60 years later, when Elisha died, at his bedside came not a very good king, King Joash, or Jehoash, depending upon what seminary you went to. Uh, King Joash came to his bedside, and as he looked at Elijah, he used that same phrase. You know, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. That event was like 911 to us, for those people who witnessed it that day. Now, to to what can we compare that? Well, I don't want to be militaristic because this was indeed a spiritual event. But if you've ever been to a, again, I've gone too far. If you've ever, and I missed the the slide. Uh I'll just tell you the story. If you've ever been to an event 
where you experienced uh, a flyover, like a big football game, a NASCAR race, something like that. And uh, the Blue Angels or uh, a group like that, a military group, group flies four or six fighter jet jets over F-18s or uh, F-16s or A-18s, then you know what it's like. As you sit there and you watch that flyover a thousand feet above from where you are, you can just in the pit of your stomach feel the roar of those jet engines and the hair on the back of your neck stands up, does it not? If you've been there, you know. It is awe-inspiring as you see the might of the US military just a, a thousand feet above your head. It's awesome. And that's what happened that day. It wasn't a military event, it was a spiritual event. And I guarantee you that the prophets, uh, the school of the prophets, though they may have been two or three miles away witnessing it, the hair in the back of their necks was standing up. Because this is an event that was remembered throughout the next 60 years in the history of Israel. And Elisha was right there. He saw it with his own eyes. And it was a confirmation of the power of God. And now he could. He could pick up that mantle that Elijah had left behind. And he could go and he could cross the Jordan River back into that evil culture and proclaim that indeed my God is Savior. And that's exactly what he did with the full power of God behind him knowing that that evil culture had nothing compared to the mighty and awesome power of God. The symbolism is really simple, right? Elijah's Jesus. Elisha is us, the followers of Jesus. The cloak is the power of the Holy Spirit. And how do we gain that power? How do we assess it for our, uh, accept it for ourselves? have to keep our eyes on Jesus, right? To the very end. Just like Elisha. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Elisha followed Elijah to the very end. He kept his eyes on his mentor and was rewarded with a double portion of his spirit. Let me tell you about that double portion. In the Bible, we can read six miracles that Elijah performed. Guess what? In the Bible, we can read about 12 miracles that Elisha performed. If we add up the miracles and the prophecies fulfilled, for Elijah, they were 14. If we add up the miracles and the prophecies fulfilled for Elisha, they were 28. Coincidence? No. The sovereignty of God. Indeed, Elisha got the double portion of Elijah's spirit. So what does that mean for us as the church, as the followers of Jesus Christ? You know, we, we think about what Jesus did. Do we not have a double portion of his spirit through the power of the Holy Spirit? I believe we do. But I'm afraid that the church in America is in defensive posture I'm afraid that maybe we're even in retreat. We think about the events of, of this last week, these last few days. 
Think about the fact that just miles from us, two Catholic schools today uh, were shut down because of the report of an active shooter, and all the other Christian schools were on high alert. It turned out to be a hoax. You see, we are living uh, in a time when the powers of darkness uh, are rallying against the people of God. But we ought not to be afraid. Wall Street Journal, in 1998, asked a thousand people in America, a poll, uh, how important religion was to them. And uh, 62% in 1998 said religion is very important. Wall Street Journal, just the first week in March, asked the same question. How important is religion to you? 39% reported that religion is very important. You see, I'm afraid that the Church of Jesus Christ is retreating. And we ought not to be. What we need is we need a flyover. We need, to, we need the chariots and horses of, a, of the spiritual realm to appear to us, to remind us that nothing can prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. We've been promised that. We need to cross into the culture unafraid and ready to proclaim that indeed Elisha my God is the Savior. We need to do that. And so tonight, as you gather in your groups, as you have your time of prayer, I would encourage you to pray that God would give us a vision of the, the chariot and horses of Israel, a spiritual vision that would inspire us and encourage us to indeed go into the culture and tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that will happen, I believe. That will happen if, as the author of Hebrews wrote, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's pray that that will happen tonight. Thank you for listening the last few weeks. I've been uh, very happy to be with you and enjoyed it very much. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.